Welcome to the Customer Experience Management Podcast, hosted by Anders Gustafsson and Carlos Velasco. In this episode, Anders interviews Dr. Larissa Becker about customer journeys. So a uh, warm welcome to the Customer Experience Podcast. Uh, we, we are in season two now, and uh, we have Larissa Becker back. Uh, I'm gonna. I'm super excited. Uh, we, we're gonna talk about customer journeys. Uh, but first, can you do a brief introduction, Larissa? Yes. Hi. Thank you for having me here. I am Larissa Becker. I'm a postdoctoral research fellow at Tampere University in Finland, even though I'm Brazilian originally. Yeah. So it's really nice to be back here. Thank you. Yes, and, and, and we are going to talk about customer journeys, uh, but, but first, sort of, how would you define a customer journey? What, what is it? Yeah, so traditionally, customer journeys have been defined in the literature as the process that customers undergo, like before, during, after purchase, or a core service encounter, encompassing several touch points. Uh, and these touch points are the moment a customer interacts with a company, like touch point that they touch or contact or interact uh, directly or indirectly. So, for instance, could be an ad or a service encounter, or if you have a complaint about a product later. So all of these moments that you interact with a company since before your purchase until after. Uh, and within these touch points, we still encounter like some stimuli or cues that, for instance, in a service encounter, we interact for if we are in a restaurant, for example, interact with a waiter. And then if they're smiling or the tone of voice and things like this can be used as cues. And for these cues within touch points, we respond and react. In other words, we experience, we have customer experiences throughout a customer journey. So that's the most traditional view of customer journey, that is interactions with a single firm. But there are some also more recent definitions that are kind of broadening it a little bit to encompass, for instance, touch points outside the firm's control. Uh, so if I may give you an example, like this month, my birthday is coming up. And then I was thinking, okay, I've been too tired and working a lot. So I want to stay in a hotel where I don't need to do anything. I just want to go and relax. So now in um, the pre-purchase stage of this customer journey, and I'm not interacting with any company yet. I'm just thinking about it, the things I want from a hotel right now. So this could be classified as a customer-owned touch point, but it is already part of this ongoing customer journey. Thank you. Perfect. Um, but uh, there are a lot of companies that are doing this and, and, and uh, sort of the, the, the question I asked, what, what, what is it useful for? What, what are the benefits of doing this kind of elaborate work? In, in, in describing or understanding customer journeys? Yeah, I think it's important to understand customer journeys because this is directly connected to customer experience. So that's where customer experience emerges. So we have responses and reactions during the journey. 
Uh, and the literature has shown that this experiences will influence our satisfaction, our attitudes, and our behaviors later on. Uh, and of course, we cannot design the customer experience because this is from the customer, right? So it's how the customer responds and reacts. But what can firms do then? They can design at least cert certain points of the customer journey. They cannot design customer own touch points, but at least some of the touch points the company has control over. They can design in a way to try to trigger some intended customer experiences. Uh, and I also find it interesting that the customer journey concept is important. So we think beyond individual touch points. So for instance, I had a research now with some Brazilian researchers and Finnish ones, and we published in Journal of Retailing Consumer Services about different types of journeys, omni-channel journeys. And we could identify that uh, the transition between touch points had kind of a larger weight in their customer experiences than whether a touch point was consistent with another. So the customer experiences between touch points, how do I go from point A to point B in my journey? This was really impactful in their customer experiences. So that's why it's useful to think of a journey as a whole, instead of thinking only of individual touch points or only on my ads and my service encounter and my customer service separately. So I, I hear you mentioning understanding or, or sort of, it, it is useful because you understand what the customer goes through. And, and I also he, hear that you are saying that, that uh, uh, you could design some reactions. Uh, the, the third one I, I usually bring in here uh, is is uh, that it's a type of quality assurance you, you want to make sure that, that uh, some things always work uh, mm -hmm. in a customer journey uh, so you, you want to be careful that that, uh, that actually happens uh, so yeah, anyway <laughs> your thoughts on that <laughs> yeah so I think this is related to customer journey mapping and mapping these critical touch points that kind of cannot go wrong so yes, then you have control over these things. You have control over the touch point and then how you can influence how the customer reacts, even though you cannot fully control how the customer reacts because it also depends on their goals, their context. You can try to trigger at least some experiences and some of course are more important than others. Yeah, no, I... Uh... <laughs> I, ju I just want to sort of see what if you, if if there were were, were more uh, sort of aspects on, on customer journeys. Um, you you mentioned customer journeys prior that that there are sort of some other types of customer journeys and and you talked about customer controlled journeys and and, and uh, company controlled journals journeys. Uh, are there any other type of journeys you use? Well, yeah. So I've been thinking about that. Uh, and then I think we can draw a lot in consumer research literature to try to find some dimensions. So customer journeys could be vary in duration. They could be really short or transactional or even last a lifetime. So for instance, the journey of going to the movies, it's kind of short, 
but the journey that we have with Netflix or another streaming service, it's kind of ongoing and could last a long, long time. Uh, other dimension that journeys could arise, like whether they are individual or collective. So right now in the literature, we focus a lot on the individual customer journey for what the customer journey is like for a single customer. But now we are kind of focusing more on collective journeys as well, uh, because sometimes we go through these journeys with other people. So for instance, if I'm buying a house, I'm buying with my partner, we are going to seek houses together, we are going to decide together. So it does not explain well if you think, consider this customer journey as individual. Uh, and the same happens also to B2B journeys. There are collective journeys and they're even more complex because different stages of the journeys can involve different actors. So I would say journeys can vary in these, can be individual and collective. Uh, in the level of involvement is another thing that I think can vary in journeys. Some are really automatic. We don't need to think a lot. We just undergo them kind of by habit. So for instance, when I go to the markets, really habits that kind of guides me and I know what, exactly what I'm going to get. I don't think much. Uh, while other journeys involve a lot of thought and longer decision-making process, for instance, as buying a house. Uh, these journeys also can vary by channel. You can have a fully online journey or fully offline, or use multiple channels, or even like integrated channels. That's the omni-channel journey. Uh, and finally, I think also the goal of a journey, like why we are undertaking, do we want utilitarian experience or more experiential journey? So for instance, if a few days ago, I went to a conference and I needed just a place to stay close to the train station for one night, it was very utilitarian. So it was one kind of journey and I had some requirements for it. But now if I'm choosing a hotel to just enjoy and because I want to enjoy the experience and the process, that's a different kind of journey as well. Uh, I think for these, like we have one article that's really good. That's Siebert's article in Journal of Marketing that she compares this the smooth journey uh, versus the sticky journey. So like smooth are those effortless, predictable journeys, for instance, like with a bank. And the sticky journey, is, that's more like experiential roller coaster with many variations, not predictable at all. And she uses, for instance, Tinder or, or some activities like this for this type of journey. So I think there are several dimensions and I would say that we have not explored them all yet in the customer journey literature. No, I, I agree. And but, but uh, it's sort of in terms of advice to companies, I usually say that you should focus on what you see as beneficial, what, what you can use in, in, in your work. Uh, it doesn't make sense to, to map every journey you could think of. Uh, just focus on the things that matter. At least that's what I my view of it or things. Otherwise, these maps tend to fall off, off the table. So it's sort of you, you they will cover floors if, if you're trying to sort of do be an exhaustive journey mapper. 
I think there is one good sign to this extensive journey map is, is that to understand how the journey fits into the customer's context. So I think that's important. But of course, the more detailed map is about what you can control and what you can do, right? Uh, we usually talk about pre-core and core and past core uh, when we talk about these types of journey, customer journeys. And, and, and my perception is that we have focused mostly on the core um, part of, of the journey. But, but what do you think? Um, what, what, what are the importances of, of, of these different, this, this, this distinction between these different phases? Well, I think they are all important. Uh, and some are more important for purchase and choice. And I think that's why we have focused them on them more because we are marketing discipline and we want to generate this managerial implications like how do I make my customers choose my company or purchase my product. So I think that's why traditionally we have focused more in this pre-core service encounter or pre-purchases that involves like the interactions before I choose. So if I'm watching an ad and then we have had done research about effective effectiveness of different types of ads and things like this uh, and then the purchase involves like the buying moment like payment and things like this or the core service encounter uh, but post-purchase I think it's very important as well because we can start dealing with issues like um, what we do with products when we don't you need them anymore and things like this so I think consumer research is maybe more advanced than customer experience research in this respect, that they have focused more in usage and practices and things like this. Uh, and I think these are important, especially for from a sustainability point of view, like what do we do with these products later? Or I don't know. So do we recycle? Do What do we do? We don't know so much about that yet. Uh, and for instance, now we are doing an article that we are trying to map the customer journey with secondhand products. Uh, and we cannot find previous research about touch points in the post-purchase. So after people buy secondhand products, what they do with that, and we cannot find yet this research. We're still looking, but I think that's a gap maybe in this literature. But I think it's important as well. Yeah, I mean, how, how else can you get a second choice? I mean, how else can they come back if, if you're not managing that, that, that equally well uh, yes. as, as the other parts? Um, yeah. Well, one aspect that, that uh, a lot of people are struggling with is, is these touch points. Uh, and and uh, uh, what, what would you say a touch point is? Uh, I would say that's the moment of interaction with an offering, because if you want to decentralize the company, then traditional definition is the moments of interaction with a firm or offering. So an ad is an example of a touch point, or if you have to call the company, or if you're scrolling down their Facebook page or their Instagram page. So the, all of these points of contact with the company are called touch points but it sounds like you're talking about com company control touch points yes the traditional definition focuses more on that and then if you want to incorporate these other 
different types of touch points, like customer-owned touch points. I think we need to redefine it. Uh, it, it, it. There is a misfit there, I would say. Yeah, as I said, my, my, it sometimes uh, people struggle in, in terms of, of uh, really mapping out touch points and what they are and, and, and what, they, what they're useful for. What, what, what would you say the main purpose of touch point really is? Uh, I, I hear, heard you talk about interaction, but, but uh, is there something else we should focus on? Uh, I tend to say that you should really try to understand what goals uh, both the customer and, and the company has on 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 uh, in these touch points, but but uh, I don't know what what do you say? <laughs> yeah, I, coming from the customer experience side, uh, I would say that's important that we understand the experiences customer have within and across touch points. Uh, but of course, we know it's difficult to understand customer experience, so trying to understand how emotions and cognitions and social responses emerge in each touch point is still a challenge. And I'm sure you, you once commented that you had research that you're measuring arousal. I imagine this is really difficult for most companies to do, measure these experiences in real doing the touch points. Uh, nowadays, company do use like NPS and customer satisfaction score, things like this. Uh, but there is, I think, uh, some recent work by Mohamed Zaki and his colleagues that I think are very interesting in this respect, that they use artificial intelligence to identify the sentiments and experiential responses and can connect back to individual touch points. So I would say that's important as well but we if we are talking about um, customer journey mapping i think the building blocks are mapping the touch points the stimuli within the touch points so like what is in each touch point that kind of influences the experience and the experiences and this is like the basic of the basic and then, of course, we can map other things, as you mentioned, the customer's goals, what, why they are interacting with this particular touch point. Uh, we can try to map the customer's path choices. So from this point, he can go to online or offline, or where does he go and what are the alternatives? We can try to map failure points. Where is that? the touch points that are more susceptible to failures I, or I, the point. I usually talk about jobs to be done at touch points. What, why do you have that touch points? Uh, th those touch points you have, what, yeah. what purpose, what job is it solving? Probably not as much in terms of goals, but what, what's the job of that touch point? Yeah. And we can think that uh, about a particular touch point in the customer journey as well, the whole customer journey. So we can think, apply this thinking like to different levels of analysis as well. I don't know about you, but I, I feel that we don't talk enough about the service scape or experience scape or, or, or whatever you want to call it uh, when we're talking about customer journeys. Uh, but what, what would you say? Uh, I agree with you that we don't see the, this label service scape 
when we are talking about customer journeys. And I think maybe one of the reasons for that is that because we are not dealing only with the service encounter, but uh, the customer journey is broader. So there is the ad, the service request in the end, you can just call the company, other touch points that do not necessarily have a service escape. So maybe these became like uh, not the center anymore, but I can also see like that if you are talking, for instance, about the service encounter, the service escape is really important because it influences, directly influences how we experience something. And then, for instance, the ambient conditions like temperature, air quality, if there's noise, this automatically influences our sensorial experiences. Or if you include uh, the social environment as well, especially in times of COVID, if it's a crowded place, you're going to be scared or something like that, right? So it definitely influences our experiences. But I think maybe when we think of the whole customer journey, this kind of goes more to the background instead of the focus. Um, I don't know. I mean, if, if you look at some of the definitions uh, of customer experience, uh, for instance, Mary Jo Bittner, so some of her later work, she's talking about the the difference with, between service encounter and, and service experience is that, that the service experience exists of a number of encounters. Yeah. And, and uh, you, we, we talk about ads, but, but uh, I mean, even how you design an ad will influence uh, emotions. Uh, and, and if you look at some of her, sort of what she's writing uh, about these service gates, uh, uh, it, it is also how you formulate the ads and, and, and stuff like that. So I, I, yeah, to my perception, at least, I, I think we need to update it. This and uh, maybe include it uh, sort of to, to, to the current state. Uh, but anyway, that's only me. Uh, yeah, I think that would be nice to take this concept of a services cap applied to different kind of touch points. Because when this literature, more specific about services cap started, they, it was still very focused on face-to-face -face service encounters. Absolutely. But now we have a lot of, of uh, business that, that, that is done online. And, and, and yeah. sort of how do you use these frameworks uh, there, there as well? Because I still think that, that uh, uh, some of the aspects she, she, she's writing about in the early 90s is, is still relevant even then. Anyway, do, do you have any sort of recommendations of, of books or research that, that we should read? Yeah, I do have some research that I like. It was difficult to choose a few because there are more that I like, but uh, I do like Zomergic and Voss's article, Service Design for Experience-Centric Services. I think that's really a good framework on how to design this more experience experiential services like an amusement park or uh, more mu museum for instance uh, and if you're talking about experience design I also like the works of Lia Patricio that she has like how to design the customer journey and then she kind of zooms in into the service encounter and has kind of this managerial implications for several levels of a customer journey 
uh, as I mentioned before, I like this work of Mohamed Sakis uh, using artificial intelligence to track how customers feel in real time. So I think that's really interesting and show this how these new technology technologies can uh, simplify how we understand experience during in touch points. Uh, to better understand B2B customer journeys. I think that's, we don't talk too much about that yet. I hope this will start to change, it's but there my, is, oi? I think it's on my list. I want to do a podcast on that too. Yeah, so I recommend you invite Lars Vitel and you are probably familiar with this, this article that was published in Journal of Business Research about characterizing customer experience management and business markets. Uh, and then, uh, like, uh, if you want to go beyond the customer journey and think of the consumer journey, that's like another level of abstraction, like really what the customer, what is the customer's goals, what is the job to be done to interact with your journey, and how your journey fit with others in the customer's life world. I do like Hamilton and Price article consumer journeys, developing consumer-based strategy. And then as a Brazilian would say, oh, sell my fish. Uh, I do like my own article with Elina Yakola and Aino Halinen that's toward a goal-oriented view of customer journeys. Uh, and finally, to understand different types of touch points, I think the reference nowadays in Slamon and Verhoofs that they have this four types of touch points that very clearly expand beyond uh, firm owned. Uh, and the Kaiser and colleagues in the TCK nomenclature also kind of build on that and uh, classify touch points differently. Yeah, so those would be a few of my recommendations. I, I know the field is evolving quite fast. So I, I understand. I mean, I, I have the same issue sort of uh, when we're building courses. Uh, I'm yeah. updating the literature list because it's always new things that are added. Yes. Sometimes someone asks for recommendations by email, and then I send like 20 articles. I was yeah. like, oh, this person is probably regretting that right now. Yeah. <laughs> I would do that too. Yeah. <laughs> Anyway, thank you so much for, for taking part of this podcast. And, and uh, I, I really hope to see and hear you in the future as well. Thank you so much. Thank you for the invitation. It was a pleasure.